Welcome back to Between the Lines. Today is Monday, November 25th. I'm your host, Ryan Bassford, and with me, as always, Tyler Essig. Tyler, how are we doing? Doing awesome, man. How about yourself? Oh, um, 0-2 on the day, so I, I've been better, I guess. Do you want to win? Do you want a guaranteed winner? Yeah, hit me. I love guaranteed winners. Hit Michigan State live right now. All right, cool. I'm putting it in. <laughs> down by two. Down by two against Virginia Tech. I've got a minus three and a half live. 18 minutes left in the second half. Um, the lean for me, for one, I mean, Michigan State closes like 13-point favorites. And Cassius Winston was out the entire first half with two personal fouls. So he had zero points, two personal fouls, like pretty much the consensus coming into the season, preseason player of the year. So that's that's my lean. I think uh, if you can get like a minus two or something on Michigan State, that's a guaranteed winner. Hell yeah, I'm going to track that. Right now I see it at – uh, four and a half. I'm trying to. I actually actually put a live bet in, like on my computer. I've always done it on my phone, so I have no idea. Oh wait, I think I figured it out. Wait, no, <laughs> I didn't. Okay, I'll keep you updated on that one. All right, good deal, good deal. All right, so uh, today's agenda. We're gonna hit on the plays that we uh, we picked last week. Um, touch on some of the things we talked about in terms of like other games we weren't necessarily putting on the card, but you know, said so keep an eye out for go over the big games, uh, touch on some action coming up, and then uh, any early lines we're seeing for the weekend. Perfect. All right, so do you want to go ahead and start us off with uh, with your your three picks from last week? Sure. Yeah, we'll go uh, pretty quickly here. Um, We'll start off with the winner, Oklahoma State at West Virginia, which honestly – could have very easily been a loser. Oklahoma State needed 10 points in the fourth quarter just to barely cover and actually gave me a push on one of my bets. As I said, I was doubling up. Uh, they covered that five and a half, though, uh, which was which was good, but uh, couldn't get that seven-point cover, even though they were in the red zone with six minutes left, um, up by four, and they had to settle for a 22-yard field goal, which is brutal. Um But, yeah, otherwise, you know, that was a a pretty solid one. They did have to settle for two field goals in the red zone, which which sucked. Um, And, honestly, this game didn't really go exactly how I thought it would. Chuba Hubbard had, you know, the big cap was to that he would be awesome, and he only had 108 yards rushing on 26 carries. So held up 4.1 yards per carry. Um, I, I actually counted up. So the big, the big thing that I talked about was him being able to get those 10-plus yard runs. Um, for 10-plus yards, he only had three of those runs. And then also a big stat that I was into was that West Virginia stuff rate ranked 103, and they ended up holding – or they stopped Chuba for zero or negative yardage on seven runs, two of those which were th- on third and one. So, I mean, they were able to kind of stifle the running game, which was bizarre. Um, But Chuba did look great in the passing game. I thought he looked kind of slow at first running, but in the passing game he had seven catches for 88 yards. Um, And, you know, they ended up pulling out the cover despite West Virginia outgaining them. And, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a surprising result. Did you happen to watch that game at all? Yeah, I had that one on. I was on the seven. I know I said I was going to double up, and I was texting some buddies. I said, here's, like, one of our big plays. I said, you can get it at six right now. I said, I'm going to double up, and I followed that message up with, you know what? I don't want to have too much exposure on one game, and I decided not to, and that was one of my two pushes. 
um, both early lines that I took and then the lines went down and it was like, well, so I don't know. I, I didn't hate my decision there, but I'll take a push, but man, I would have liked to get a win. Yep. I hear you. And I, I think on some more news that came out after we were off the podcast, it might've came out like a little bit while we were, or before we were on the podcast, but it was definitely not something that was very nationally known, but Drew Brown. So the backup quarterback, um, who we talked about, you know, not being too much of a step down from Spencer Sanders. He actually got hurt in practice on Thursday Mm -hmm. and there was some questioning on whether he would play or not. So I think that played a lot into that line coming down even more from seven to five and a half, but then it did close at six. So we got a little bit of closing line value, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, since the podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, the first one I was, uh, really excited about was Michigan at Indiana. I thought Michigan was in a look ahead spot. IU had been playing well. They were going to get a chance to, you know, finally play a good team at home since Ohio state who obviously blew them out. Um, this is one of those things where Indiana was just outmatching the get go. We said Shea Patterson's been playing some pretty good football since the second half of that Penn state game that came into full effect today or uh, today on Saturday. Uh, you know, completed 20 for 30 of 32 for 366 yards and five touchdowns. Michigan really spread the ball out. We're kind of seeing their offense come around a little bit. Um, you know, they have two, they have a few really good receivers. They're, they're two big guys on the outside, Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples Jones. They are, uh, it's hard to cover both of them. You know, you have to have, you know, it's rare that a team has like, you know, two lockdown corners and a great safety in college. So you got to kind of pick your spots and Patterson was able to, do some pre-snap reads and uh, hit his guys going downfield. I mean, Nico Collins, for being as big as he is, can absolutely fly. So uh, that came up apparent during his uh, – he, he had a big 76-yard touchdown. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, sorry, I had a – did you hear at all? I had an incoming call during your whole beginning of that deal. <laughs> uh, I, heard uh, you start, I heard you start cutting. But like when I heard you last like last podcast, <laughs> when, I, when I thought I was cutting in and out, and I re-listened to it, sound was totally fine. So that's why I kept going there. Deal. Yeah, probably some dumbass solicitor. God damn it. <laughs> um, all right, anyways, yeah, so the Michigan-Indiana game, yeah, started off good. Mm-hmm. Up 7 nothing, and then 14-7. to um, And then did you hit on the under at all? I did not. Yeah, so um, as we said in the, the previous podcast, we kind of recommended – I mean, we didn't go super hard into it, but under 54 and a half, we both thought that that looked nice. And the line actually closed at 52 and a half, and the total ended up at 53. So if you're able to ride with us early, I actually ended up hitting the, the under live 65 and a half. That ended up being one of my probably better plays of the day. Um, wasn't, a, wasn't the best of days for me, but <laughs> yeah, there was, you know, that was kind of, that was a rough beat. Indiana just kind of fell apart there towards the end in Michigan. I mean, their offense, dude, has just been just been wild lately. Yeah, they've been firing. The first 35 points of this game were back and forth. It was seven one way, seven the other, and they traded. So I was, you know, even when IU was down seven and I was, you know, getting uh, you know, getting 10, I was like, okay, I mean, we're close to not covering here, but they're going back and forth. And then um, went into halftime, came back out, and IU didn't score a second half. So that's one of those ones where, like, I look back and I listen to the I listen to what we said, you know, in the last podcast. I look back at the stats that I was pulling for the, especially the against the against the spread trends and 
Like, I'd probably still play this again. Like, I thought it was a really good spot for IU. It was kind of a shitty spot for Michigan. Michigan just played good football. Like, I I was watching that game. I was getting – like, I started out the day 0-4. That was one of them. And it wasn't a game I was mad about. I was like, you know what? Michigan's outplayed us here, and I can't be too, too pissed off about that. Yep. I, uh, I don't blame you for that analysis. I think I would have to agree. Um, yeah, glad I didn't try hitting them live or anything like that to chase because <laughs> I, I sometimes tend to do that. But, yeah, one of those games where Michigan just played played well. For sure. Yeah, so moving on to my next one, I'll talk about – I'll actually just breeze through one of them and then I'll go into my other one. So the under in the Coastal Carolina-Monroe game, I don't know if you watched that game at all or if anybody that's listening to this <laughs> at all, but oh my God, dude, we're – was that just a rough, rough under? So it started off 28 points in the first quarter, which is <laughs> never going to be great. Um, but then there was only seven points in the second quarter, kind of give gave a little hope. And then it was halfway through the third quarter with only three points scored. So it was 14 to 24, uh, sitting at 38, still needed like 28 more points. You know, at that point, there's you kind of there's still a chance that you're going to cover that. But then what came next was a Coastal Carolina 29-yard touchdown pass, three and out for Monroe, which led to a 72-yard punt return for a touchdown. So within two minutes, Coastal Carolina already had uh, 14 points put on the board. So at that point, it didn't look great. And then ULM followed that up with a long drive that finished with a 32-yard touchdown run. And it was just big plays left and right for both teams. So here's mm-hmm. some of the, the touchdown plays. First quarter, there was a 98-yard touchdown pass. <laughs> Unbelievable. So then, as I mentioned, there was the 72-yard punt return, 32-yard run, 41-yard touchdown pass, and a 75-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter. Like, it was just absolutely demolishing any opportunity for uh, for an under. And the way if watching the game, the defenses were just absolute garbage. Um, so moving on, we'll forget about that one. Never playing an under <laughs> Carolina ULM again. Um, and then the Air Force one, God, I think you could definitely count this one kind of as a bad beat. Uh, they ended up giving up a lot more yards to New Mexico than I had thought uh, would they would, especially rushing. They gave up 217. Oh shit! No, I'm still on the the Monroe, but they gave up. <laughs> 268 rushing yards to New Mexico. And that was when their opportunity rate defense, so percentage of runs less than four yards, they rank six in the nation. Yet they gave up 268 yards to New Mexico. I couldn't believe that. Um, that was that was definitely the difference maker as they only gave up 90 passing yards. And so they didn't move the ball at all. Um, but one thing that I hit on, our boy Remsburg didn't get it done for us. Um, <laughs> he, he finished with like seven carries and 60 some, oh, seven carries for 34 yards. So he didn't really do jack shit <laughs> on the ground. But I also hit on the, the big playability from the passing game, which Air Force ranks two in pass explosiveness in New Mexico before this game. I'm sure Air Force has probably moved up to one and New Mexico has probably dropped. New Mexico was at number 123 um, in the second half. Air Force had a 59-yard touchdown pass, 27-yard touchdown pass, and a 76-yard touchdown pass, um, which are obviously all big plays. And <laughs> they also had another 46-yard touchdown pass. That was actually the first touchdown in the third quarter. 
So that's four touchdown passes over 25 yards, three of them over 45 yards, and they only threw the ball 10 times all game. <laughs> so, I mean, they we were pretty spot on with the uh, the pass explosiveness being a benefit for Air Force. Mm-hmm. And even diving into this more, like it should have definitely been a win. Air Force had nine possessions total. Two of the possessions – ended like the half so they got the ball at the end of the first half and they they obviously ran out the clock uh in the second half as they won by 22 when i had a minus 22 and a half from the podcast so fuck me there but anyway <laughs> um <clears throat> yeah so they had nine possessions nine total possessions two of them ended the half and s- uh six of the other seven ended in touchdowns and the seventh ended in a fumble on the New Mexico five-yard line. Oh, that sucks. Yep. So that was brutal. And then Air Force was up 44 to 16. New Mexico had the ball with about four minutes left. We're kind of semi-driving. And then they were on the 27-yard line. And this is right about when I turned the game on. And it was for New Mexico to throw up uh, just a fly pattern to Trey Hill that, of course, was complete with the cornerback, not even just in man-to-man coverage. (laughs) No idea why with a minute 57 left and that touchdown sank my my minus 22 and a half. Uh, They ended up going for two and didn't get it. So I couldn't even like rely on a on a potentially missed point after attempt. Um, absolutely pretty fairly brutal beat, but I don't know, you're minus 22 and a half and you have a team that scores six out of seven touchdowns. Uh, you know, it's, can't really ask for much more um, right. besides, I guess, playing a little bit better defense, especially <laughs> against the run. Yeah. That, that, that one was brutal. I was trying to, I was tracking that one as well. And I think they actually, they either pushed or actually covered the closing line and then missed on years. Like that sucks by half point. Really? I thought, Are you sure? they, I thought that they, I think they closed at 24. Oh, never mind. Okay. Uh, I guess yeah, I so, somebody else's picks. They may have gotten it earlier when it was at like 21 and a half or something like that. Yeah. I think the line just kind of slowly went up the whole time. So we got some line value there too. And then on the coastal Carolina game that actually moved down at least a point and a half. We had 64 and a half when we recorded the pod and I saw that it closed at like 62 and a half and 63 at some places. So Hmm. if you, if you, if there's some silver lining and two losses, I guess you could say that maybe we were on the right side, but then again, it's pretty like, it probably doesn't take that much money to move the line (laughs) in these games. So I don't know. Take that how you will. Right, right. All right. Uh, we'll head on my two, my last two games. Uh, I did have two winners. I had a two and one week as far as the podcast picks go. So I was pretty pumped about that. Um, Keeping us at 500, at a boy. There you go. First one was uh, week four, laying seven and a half at home against Duke. Um, man, I had to really scrape by on this one. Duke was up by, was up one with nine minutes to go in this game. And, uh, Wake Forest scratched and clawed their way back. Two big drives um, and actually ended up covering the spread for me. Uh, going back over this game this afternoon and looking at some highlights, I can't believe I only covered by four and a half here because this game was so one-sided. Duke had three turnovers. Wake had none. Wake had 618 yards to Duke's 290. Like, it was – Oh, my God. Oh, it was unbelievable. I mean, 
Wake Forest controlled the ball for 40 minutes of this 60-minute game. They had double the first downs. But it all came that, down to the fact that the same kid for Duke had two kickoff returns for touchdowns. That's fucking brutal. He had a 97-yarder in the first quarter and then a 98-yarder in the fourth quarter. So, I – the gambling guys, I was supposed to lose this bet. So, I, I really feel like I deserve a, a kind of a weird – backdoor cover as a favorite in a game where I should have covered, but then the way it was playing out, I probably shouldn't have and it ended up working out in my favor. It never happens. So be thankful when it does. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Duke Duke also fumbled five times. Yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable. Like I Jesus. Like Jamie Newman threw 14 uh completions for 284 yards. Like he didn't have that great of a game through the air, but then he ran the ball 30 times for a buck forty four. I mean, these stats, like, half the stats make it seem like Wake Forest should have killed him. Half make it sound like Duke was going to keep it close. Duke had all these great special teams plays. Two, same kid had two touchdowns on kickoffs, and I still ended up coming back in the fourth quarter to cover this bet. I, I, it never happened, so I'm very excited. Dude, yeah, and we also touched on the, the third down conversions for Duke. Mm-hmm. And I can't even remember what I said, but I said, like, just some kind of ridiculous numbers. Duke was one for 11 on third down. Wake Forest was 10 of 21. Holy shit. Like, you, should have, you should have absolutely smashed this. Wake Forest had to settle for three field goals in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Um, then again, Duke didn't score. I mean, they had to settle. They only went to the red zone once. So, I mean, whatever. They had, and it was a field goal, which right. was good, but. Shit, dude. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't pay attention to this game at all, honestly. Honestly, so <laughs> I actually forgot to bet on it. Fuck. That would be nice to but um, it is what it is. Yeah, you definitely deserve better. Um, that one should have been a no sweat winner by all the underlying stats. That should have been a no sweat winner for sure. And then I had the a winner in the uh, Temple plus ten and a half at UC. That one was kind of the opposite. It. Looked like a no sweat winner, but I was the entire game. I'm like, all right, there's no, no, no shot. I'm gonna actually get this. Um, mm-hmm. So UC started out up six nothing, two field goals in the second quarter. It was a really slow game, and they punched in a touchdown in like mid third quarter, something like that. Um, and so thirteen nothing going into the fourth. I'm still getting ten and a half. So I'm like, okay, I'm in a not terrible spot. Like these thirteen points, you know, six more field goals. So I was like, all right, this isn't gonna be too big of a deal. Like. Temple has the defense to stop them and probably has the offense to at least give me something close here. Um, they do put in a, an early fourth quarter touchdown uh, to go down 13 to six. And on the ensuing extra point, it is blocked by UC and then returned for the two points. So all of a sudden now it's 15 to six. I'm still covering, but it's like, all right, a, a momentum swing like that after Temple started gaining some ground. I'm like, this can easily be a loser. And then Temple's defense locked down again, scored a touchdown with about like seven minutes to go. And uh, I ended up, they ended up losing this game by two. So UC wins, they clinch. I was happy about that. Temple covered the spread by the final score. It was easy on paper. It was an absolute struggle, but uh, you know what? That's the bet. That was my best case scenario. I really did think Temple could win this game, but I really wanted Bearcats to win. So that was, that was, I got best of both worlds here. Yeah, I was so this is the game that I was watching instead of the Wake Forest game. And even looking at the underlying stats, I could tell just by watching the game that Temple deserved this way more. So even when they're down 13 to nothing, 
I can't remember maybe if it was like a drive in the third quarter and one in the fourth, it might've been two fourth quarter drives, but they got stopped on fourth down twice in the red zone. So at that point I was just like, fuck, here comes like the Cincinnati fraudulent win again (laughs) and, or fraudulent cover, I guess, because they, they ended up winning, which was absolutely fraudulent still Mm -hmm. because with a final score of two point difference and you have a blocked extra point or was it a, no, it was a pick. Uh, yeah. A pick on a two point conversion returned for two points. No, no, it was I a mean, blocked extra point. Oh, it was a blocked extra point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's just freaking how lucky <laughs> do you have to get? I mean, they got outgamed. They only had 210 yards of total offense. Oh yeah. It was bad. That, that's Ritter, Like I said, if he, I, I told you on Thursday, he wasn't confirmed if he was going to play or not. Like he had a shoulder injury against USF, and I said if he is going to start in this game, he's going to be playing injured and it's going to show. He completed nine of twenty-five passes for sixty-two yards. Oh my god! Yeah, His QBR was nine point six, and I do like Desmond Ritter, <laughs> but like, okay, this team goes to Memphis this week. Um, Memphis has to win. They're ten and a half point favorite, maybe eleven now. I think eleven and a half. Um, Damn. Memphis, I mean, and I, it kind of looks – I mean, the way I'm looking at this game, we'll talk about early lines here a little bit, but I'm going to hate on this right while I'm here. Mm-hmm. UC's already in. They know mm-hmm. if, they, if they win, they play Navy. If they lose, they play Memphis again. So it begs the question, does UC – I mean, do they bench all their guys just to not show the whole playbook, not risk injury, gets Desmond Ritter a little extra time to, you know, get his shoulder back in the right spot? Or do they throw the book at him and say, "I don't want to play Memphis back-to-back weeks"? Because that just sounds like shit. And they'll go play Navy. Like they're in a they're in a horrible spot. And I think UC UC is going to end up with three losses. I think by the end of the year and get screwed out of the uh, New Year's Six game. Yeah, I uh, I could definitely see that happening. I I think that UC probably doesn't want to show them really anything. I don't think they're going to bench anybody, but I could see you know definitely like a like a you know more basic playbook and. You know, just kind of let it roll like that. And I can mm-hmm. see Memphis straight rolling them, especially after UC just clinched their side of the division. So they're already in. What do they – they have nothing to play for. Yeah, exactly. Um, should be a cakewalk for Memphis. Yeah, I'm thinking so too. I don't want to bet against the Bearcats again this time as an – I don't want to bet on the favorite going against the Bearcats. I got to cheer for UC to lose. But I would recommend that bet at least right now. Um, all right. Yeah. So, yeah, those were my three plays. I went two and one. I was, like I said, I was pretty pumped about that. Two weird covers in one game where I just was never really in it or wasn't in it the entire second half. So I wasn't even that mad about it. Yep. Makes sense. And I wish I had the freaking Air Force cover, just like I wish I had TCU the week before. <laughs> right. All right. But it is what it is. It is what it is. All right. So a couple other plays we talked about um, Texas plus five. Tom Herman is a dog. Um, did not come to fruition, and honestly, looking at that game, it was not even close. It was Texas played a horrible game of football, and honestly, I, I think Baylor didn't play spectacular, but they knew the game plan in the passing game was going to be let Charlie or yeah, Charlie Brewer throw it up to um, uh, who's their big receiver, Mims, I think is his name, um, mm-hmm. and let him just catch it, and that's what they did, and it worked a lot. Yeah, yeah, Ellinger, honestly, he looked like dog shit. I thought. Um, did you watch this game? Uh, yeah, I had it on. Yeah, I, I didn't think that he looked good. The whole Texas offense looked horrible. Ellinger was fat, sacked five times. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're just not going to – you're not going to win doing that. Um, yeah, it was just a brutal game the whole time. There was really – I mean, there was, like, kind of hope that they would cover just because Baylor never really pulled away. But 
Texas's offense never really inspired any type of hope. They just were so slow and stagnant and boring. Yeah, they didn't do anything till the fourth quarter. I mean, going mm-hmm. into the fourth quarter, it was uh, it was twenty-one to three. Texas had a field goal. That was it. Right. Yeah. And it's not like they were even like turning the ball over and like driving and turning it, turning it over. It was just punt, 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 punt. And that's actually how it went because I've got the thing pulled up in front of me. It was five straight punts. But oh my god, yeah, it, was just, it was just bad. And it was like so their first possession was ten plays, but only for thirty-eight yards. <laughs> and that is the punt. Then they had four plays, six plays, three plays, six plays, which is I mean that's just fucking brutal. Yeah, it was a it was a rough one. And again, it, it's kind of kind of similar to that Michigan uh, IU game where you know Baylor was in a hangover spot yeah they were back at home so you can kind of is it going to be a bounce back is it not it's like i still think hangover because their season's probably done you know texas is has been good as a dog since tom herman's been there so again i look at this game and i'm like i i still like the spot i was in i was just i just lost the game we just lost the bet and it happens but it was that's two games this week where i look normally i look back i'm like hey man i'm fucking in it how did i bet on this side but Texas, I think, was still the play here, and it just didn't go that way at all. They're, you don't have an offense. You're not going to win a college football game. Yeah, they actually they actually had the same exact amount of yards, 391 <laughs> yeah. and 391. I saw that. That's crazy. Uh, that is crazy. And they, I thought – I honestly thought Texas just looked horrible. It's probably because I bet on them, but – because neither team looked good in the third down conversion. But Texas did have nine penalties compared to Baylor's um, five. So that's, you know, and 80 plus or eight, oh, 70 yard differential in penalty yardage. Did I say turnovers before? I must say nine penalties and five penalties. Yeah, no, for sure. You said turn or you said uh, uh, penalties. Okay. Yeah. It was just, I mean, you know, I, I mean, we know Tom Herman's a good coach. We think Tom Herman's a good coach. I, his, I'm sure his job's fine this year, but, you know, Texas' whole thing is like, we're back, we're back, we're back. I mean, he's going to go. They're six and five right now, and there's a. I mean, they're playing Texas Tech, who Texas Tech gets up for this game, and Texas has nothing left to play for. They're in a bowl. They're they're six and five. They're in a bowl. I mean, they could go six and six this year, or shit, they could go at least seven and six and lose their bowl game. Like, it's is Tom Herman coaching for his job next year? Um. I would say no. I think Texas had a lot of turnover this year Mm -hmm. and they came in with a lot of hype, but I just remember like reading and thinking like, I thought they were overhyped from the get go. So the first season long that I made was the Texas under nine and a half wins, which came to fruition a long time ago. (laughs) As I told you earlier, just got paid for it today, which was nice. A nice little boost to my dimes account. Um, But yeah, no, I I would say no. And I think that I haven't looked at their roster, but you have to assume with how much turnover they had this year that they're going to have a lot back next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, yeah, I would say that he's at least got one, one more, uh, one more year in him. Um, and then, but talking about that, Texas Tech. Okay, so they can't even get to a bowl. I was kind of hoping that they would have some type of motivation to go in there and take them down. But I still think Texas Tech might be a good play, you know, against Texas. Yeah, it's a lot of points. Um, I, I, I'm still curious. I'm curious to see what happens in the offseason with Texas. Um, obviously, now with transferring being much easier. I mean, 
Texas football, I know they haven't been like anything great really since the Vince Young days. They've had like good seasons, but they've really been like true, you know, championship contenders, but they're still expected to be that way. And it's you know, another disappointing season by them. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they, you know, start losing recruits and if they even get some kids transferring out. Yeah, I suppose so. But I think, I mean, even like, yeah, it's been so long since the Vince Young days. Like, you could probably say that. Yeah, it's true. Even the last like six years, right? It's, it kind of seems like they've fallen off. And even the Vince Young season, I felt like was kind of out of nowhere. Like, they had been kind of bad a couple years before that. Yeah, it's uh, true. But I, I think Texas will always be Texas. I'm sure that their facilities are sick. And, you know, Tom Herman is still a pretty, you know, well regarded coach. <laughs> That's true, man. I can't. There's people when he was, uh, you know, he was in the job market and LSU had just fired Les Miles, and people were saying, "This is our guys. This is who we want to get." And thought it was crazy they hired uh, Ogeron. So, I feel like we got the better end of this deal. Yep, I would have to agree, <laughs> especially after that. All that Ohio State shit came out with Tom Herman cheating on his wife and all that <laughs> stuff with the wide receiver coach. So you got to avoid that. Yeah, exactly. All right, that's awesome. Um. So another one that I brought up last week, and it was on a whim just because of the uh, ridiculous lopsided bet and money percentage, was uh, Hawaii minus three. Um, game ended as a push. Again, that was where the closing line value I would have won, uh, but I missed out on it. Uh, or I got the push, like I said, at minus three. So could have been worse, but it was a game that – it was a – God, what a slow game to watch. It was actually – Tayback didn't watch it. Facebook Live wouldn't load. So what a slow game to look at stats on my phone for. <laughs> That's brutal. Facebook Live wouldn't load for you? I was watching a college basketball game on Facebook Live on Saturday night. No, and it could just be because I'm an old man. And, uh, I mean, I'm not, but I don't know technology very well, apparently. And Facebook Live would do nothing. <laughs> huh. That's weird. But, yeah, it was a uh, sloppy game all around, um, you know. Not very many yards from either quarterback. Actually, Hawaii had two quarterbacks play, so I'm guessing Cole McDonald got injured at one point. Um, Ryan Agnew, he had 25 completions of 39 attempts for 229. Uh, no touchdowns, no interceptions, so a very just middle of the road. Like, not many mistakes, nothing nothing spectacular. I mean, 14 to 11. That's your – San Diego State, I feel like they've gone under a ton this year. Probably should have picked up on that earlier. Uh, but, yeah, it was just a uh, – you know, a back and forth just punt game. So it was very, uh, very big 10 of them, not very Mac, not, not very uh, Mountain West. So it was kind of depressing. Right. Yeah. And we did, we did say that the under was, you know, kind of fishy. When you mm-hmm. get an under that's 24 <laughs> and a half points for one team, like less than the week before, um, you know, it's, it's probably that way for a reason. And you kind of hit on it just right when I said the, the number, you're like, let's play it. But uh, obviously, neither one of us did. And and who's going to stay up until the wee hours of the night betting on an under? Screw that. That would be just brutal. Let's move on. What else <laughs> do you got? All right. So let's talk about the uh, the biggest game of the weekend, number eight, Penn State, uh, visiting number two, Ohio State. Um, final score, uh, 28-17 in favor of the Buckeyes. Uh, Penn State covered. Um, the under was a – way easy hit i know i said at at one point like damn i kind of like the overs because the explosiveness um luckily i didn't play it and i didn't play ohio state so i was happy to lay off both those plays um kind of a weird game though 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually watched the highlights of that game today while I was uh, at the gym. And oh, I read something. I think it was the Athletic came out with their 130 ranked teams or like they ranked the 130 teams. And they still had Penn State number 10 after that loss. And they're like, you know, Penn State covered the spread, looked good against the you know number two team in the nation but then after watching the highlights I really was not impressed with what Penn State did so for one um Ohio State got up early obviously then Penn State got really lucky with turnovers throughout the game Mm -hmm. so in the first quarter Justin Fields was going in for a touchdown and fumbled on like the the half yard line if you will um, going into the end zone, recovered by Penn State. And then shortly after that, Penn State got another fumble recovery on like the 11-yard line or something like that, like um, on Ohio State's 11-yard line. And we're able to punch it in for a touchdown there. So there's a 14-point swing right there. And then later in the game, Penn State had another fumble recovery inside the 40 of Ohio state. So, I mean, they, and then that led to a field goal um, and they weren't able to move the ball too much. So really, I mean, you take the, you, uh, Ohio state was half a yard from getting into the end zone for seven. They gave Penn state an 11 yard drive. And yeah, I just, I just thought that that was kind of a fraudulent final score. And honestly, Ohio state kind of dominated, which mm-hmm. I hope, you know, keeps Penn state a little overvalued moving forward and that's something to kind of look out for yeah you take away the uh you know the bad turnovers and in in, uh, in really inopportune spots for Ohio State this easily could have been what 35 to 7 you know yep. I think one of Penn State's touchdowns came off of a regular drive everything else was you know like you said the the 11 yard touchdown after the fumble and then the uh the, the fumble that led to a field goal so there's four or that, there's 10 of their points right there and Ohio State fumbled mm-hmm. on the half yard line. So, and I thought he even may have been in. I, looking at it again, he was. It was a fumble, man. It was close. Um, yeah, this could have easily been thirty five to uh, thirty five seven, a totally one sided victory for Ohio State. Right. Yep. So I, uh, I was not very impressed with, or I guess I don't know. It's it's tough to impress against Ohio State, but I just don't think that Penn State deserves many props for keeping it within eleven. Right. I will give some props, though, to uh, the back of quarterback that came in. I know, I think Sean mm-hmm. Clifford, did he actually get hurt or did they pull him? I don't re- totally remember. Yeah, I actually, I wasn't even really watching that game because I just thought it was a blowout or going to be a blowout. So I don't know. But I did notice that, yeah, Clifford was out. Yeah, uh, this Will Levis kid came in. I think he's, I think he's a freshman, maybe a sophomore. He's young. I know that. Um, but big body, good runner. Um, so he, I mean, he, he had 18 carries, 34 yards. Uh, that is taking in, I'm assuming, his sacks as he was playing quarterback. Um, but I mean, he, he came in and immediately scored a 10-yard touchdown. So it was a uh, – it gave Penn State, you know, kind of the breath of life they needed. Um, it, it didn't carry over anything big, but it was, uh, you know, Clifford going down and this kid came in and, and scored immediately. So I think that helped them, uh, them kind of gain a little confidence back. Right. Well, yeah, and I think that was right off that turnover too, right? Yeah, it was. That was off that, yeah. That yeah. fumble. Exactly. And then uh, kudos to Ohio State defense. K.J. Hamler only had three receptions or 45 yards. Um, 
I think it really just goes to show if you can keep him in check and, you know, at least mitigate some of what Journey Brown can do, you're going to, your Penn State's beatable. Um, and they were able to do that. Journey Brown had 64 yards, which is, I think, under average for him. And Hamler, 45 yards receiving. That dude averages like a 45 yard reception per game. So huh, that was definitely a, uh, a, a good step up spot there for OSU defense. And welcome back, Chase Young. Three sacks. That was impressive as hell. Yeah. I, one of them was on the highlights. And oh my God, was it? He was just flying past the right tackle. Like the guy barely even got hands on him. That guy's a, just a fucking monster. <laughs> I saw, I think of these two different plays where. Like, Chase Young didn't move and do anything, like, before the snap. Like, he was just in his two-point stance. And the, the, the tackle both times jumped off sides. He, like, I, <laughs> he just kind of puts the fear of God in players sometimes. And it's he's fun to watch. Well, yeah, you burn a guy early, and you already <laughs> think that he's good. And then you get fucking burned, and then you, you gotta, you're tasked with trying to block this guy again. God, yeah, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did get hurt by the way in the third quarter. So he did okay. Just pulled, yeah. All right, that makes sense. Um, I tell you what though, it this game is the first time we've seen Ohio State look human. I mean, Justin Fields had three fumbles and lost two of them. That's uh, we really haven't seen that much this year from from anybody on Ohio State, especially especially him. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's gonna. I don't think it really sh- like proves anything. Like, see, like you know, this kid's not that great. He's pretty fucking awesome and done a really good job stepping into a new system um but they're human so i guess we're gonna have to see how that plays out against michigan and then on the big 10 championship which they did clinch uh after saturday yeah fields had kind of a hand issue too um they mentioned that that so maybe that had something to do with some of the, the fumble issues yeah definitely could have been um but big win for ohio state um lsu did more than enough against Arkansas to where I don't think anything will change. However, you know, come, you know, final selection Sunday time, it could help Ohio State bump up a little bit, especially if they beat Michigan and then control the Big Ten championship game. But so lots of questions to be answered, but this was something that they needed a game. They needed a game where they kind of looked shitty. They needed that. You can't just roll through everybody. You know, I know Clemson did it last year for the most part. They had like one close slip up against Syracuse, but you don't typically go 15 and 0 and just dominate every single game. So this could be something that kind of helps, you know, get them back on track. Right. Sweet. Um, yeah. Did you want to go over the Oregon game? Yeah. So the big, uh, biggest upset of the weekend was Oregon going into unranked Arizona state laying 14 and a half. Um, and they not only don't cover, they lose outright. So screwing their season possibly screwing the, the Pac-12, depending. It kind of now is going to water down. If they if Utah beats them, it kind of waters down water, waters down Utah's win. Um, and if they beat Utah, the Pac-12 is definitely done. So they're not putting the two-loss team in. Yep. And I think the two injuries, so I know I said last week that the two injuries shouldn't have effect on the, on the rankings, but I do think that if Utah – does beat Oregon with Tua being hurt that they'll put they'll still put Utah in the Pac-12 but if Oregon really wants to screw the Pac-12 then they'll beat Utah in the championship game yeah which you know how college ball works that's almost definitely going to happen now and it's going to screw them over again mm-hmm. well I didn't know that USC if Utah loses next week. USC would be in the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, they do have a chance to kind of like lock in the one, but 
Utah does play Colorado. I know we just saw an upset, but mm-hmm. it only I guess we technically only need like one thing to happen. Like, they need to win. They need Utah to lose. Very doable, but I don't really I don't see Utah losing. I, I like we both trusted them way more than we have Oregon all season. So mm-hmm. I'd be way more surprised by that loss than I am by this loss. Right. I have to agree with that. Uh, one of my friends did bring up something, a guy that I work with, he he just kept hammering Oregon live. <laughs> and uh, so he lost pretty big on that game. Uh, but he he was just like, he's like, why the fuck is Arizona State winning this game? He's like, just can't they have play with some pride? You know, they, they got the cover. Be happy with that. And, but you don't want to just screw over the conference in terms of getting into the college football playoff. <laughs> so I'm kind of hoping that uh, – um, Utah will just slide in there with Colorado. And you'd almost think, like, I've heard things about the refs being, you know, they like, we want some representation here, so they might be a little bit, you know, on the side of getting a team into the playoff to represent their conference. But, you know, that's all speculation, obviously. <laughs> but still, I mean, and the things that stood out to me were all the big plays. Did you watch it that game? Uh, yeah, I, I, I had it on. I wasn't watching, like, super intently, but I did have it on. Arizona State had some huge passing plays. They had a 57-yard touchdown pass, uh, 24 – or excuse me, that was not them – a 26-yard touchdown pass. Um, and then the backbreaker when Oregon got it within three at 24-21 on a third and – either 16 or third and 18 was a 81-yard touchdown pass. So just – and it was like a straight fly pattern. Mm-hmm. Just And the guy was freaking – you know, ran by him and got a touchdown to kind of close the game. Um, so, yeah, that was that was bad and surprising because Oregon's defense has kind of been their bread and butter this year. Yeah, exactly. There, there's definitely some explosive plays for Arizona State. I mean, Jaden Daniels threw for 408 yards, uh, three touchdowns with no interceptions compared to Justin Herbert, who is, you know, at one point in the Heisman talk. I mean, I think he's still like kind of in the Heisman talk. He's in talks for being, you know, a top five pick, you know, he threw two interceptions, like two pretty bad interceptions. I mean, he had 300 yards passing, which is good, but for him, that's pretty low. Um, so two touchdowns, two picks, a QBR of 45. Uh, he definitely had a little bit of stock fall, maybe not for the NFL, but definitely for uh, for heading to New York for the Heisman race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those interceptions, I rewatched them. There was really no pressure. There was a bad snap on one that might have kind of messed up the, with the timing of the play, but still, it was a bad decision that he. Both of them pretty much went straight to the defender. So, yeah, you, you expect more out of that guy, especially the, like this, the first one happened right when I was about to throw on Oregon Live. So I'm, I'm glad it happened. So then I didn't have that temptation. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, so Arizona State, yeah, was only able to get to uh, Herbert twice. They had two sacks. Um, but Oregon only forced two sacks, which for them, again, like you said, their defense has been there been their, 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 the biggest part of their identity for actually a couple of years now. Um, and, you know, not getting pressure on Jaden Daniels. He's pretty dynamic quarterback. So that was definitely a, uh, a benefit for Arizona State, and they capitalized. Yep, for sure. Any other games that stood out to you? Um, Navy had a, gir- a great comeback and a great winning touchdown versus SMU to lock up um, – or no, not to lock up, I'm sorry – to better their chance to get in the American Conference championship game, all goes riding on uh, on what Memphis does. Um, one thing I would say is, so Memphis and UC play at three thirty on Friday. If 
UC does beat Memphis and knocks – I'm sorry, if Memphis does beat UC and knocks Navy out of the AAC championship game, Navy plays Houston on Saturday. It could be worth looking into a little motivation factor that it take Houston. Yep, no doubt. I, I agree with that completely. All right, so let's uh, let's switch over to what we got coming up this week. Um, so tomorrow night starts off uh, Maction. I think it's our last week or second last week of Maction. They're on a weird schedule, so I never really know with them. Uh, <laughs> have you had a chance to take a look at these lines yet? Uh, I took a peek uh, just at the lines. I haven't dug into anything of what I might like. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm pulling it up right now just to take a look. I know that our our boys from Akron are playing, um, and we successfully, you know, ended their slump. I know by betting on them last week. So good for us. <laughs> I was just looking at this actually. Someone Action Network right now, um, looking at the opening lines. It says Akron minus twenty seven, and then it yep. says <laughs> current line is oh. Akron plus twenty seven and a half. I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking somebody types the numbers in wrong here because I doubt Akron's opening up as a. Uh, nearly a four touchdown favorite against Ohio. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was looking and Ohio, I wanted to just throw on Akron and I was hoping that Ohio had nothing to play for, but they do have five wins. Um, so, you know, they're going to want to get to that bowl eligibility. Um, but it, it actually might not matter for them because I'm pretty sure that more teams are eligible for bowls than are like, than there are bowl games available. So when that happens, you know, they kind of – they typically don't add in Mac, Mac, or Mac teams just because they all kind of suck. <laughs> yeah, actually, but, uh, to that point, I was reading about that uh, this weekend. Um, yeah, the Mac conference is usually the most missed teams like – most missed out bowl games for six-win teams. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's still the fact – if they don't win this game, then they don't have a chance to get to a bowl game. So I do <laughs> think they still want to try to get there. Um, but you're right, like this – it's probably a foregone conclusion that there are some six and six teams not getting a bowl this year. Um, but you still have to get there to even be in the conversation. So I agree with you, but I do think the motivation factor is not totally gone with Ohio. Right. Yeah. I mean, but even, I mean, how much motivation do you like, do you give like a boost to get to a 27 and a half point spread? You know what I'm saying? Like, and especially looking at the lines from last week. So Akron at Miami, Ohio closed at minus 29 and now Akron's at home against Ohio and they're 27 and a half. I mean, that's almost like they're saying, I mean, the, the inflation on teams against Akron is still there. And it's amazing to me that Ohio is a, on a neutral, you know, if you take away the three points, Ohio would technically be kind of have a market rating higher than. Miami of Ohio, even though Miami of Ohio is six and one in the conference versus Ohio being four and three. So, I mean, I think that's kind of weird and still provides value on Akron. Yeah, I agree with you. And also it's, again, it's going to be cold Tuesday night game. Uh, I think we're going to be, see a little bit of rain. Um, Not that Akron's good at running the ball, but I think it takes away a bit of Ohio's passing game. Ohio's got a really, a damn good run game, but I'm hoping that means the clock's just going to churn and um, you know, that, you know, what is it, 27 and a half right now. So winning by 28, maybe one of those things where there's just not enough time in the game. Um, it's going to mm-hmm. depend. If Ohio gets out to a quick lead, might be fucked on that 27 and a half. But if I can hold them for a few drives, we get in the second quarter and it's like, you know, 
seven to nothing or maybe like a 10 to three game, it could be worth finding a, a live number on Ohio or maybe even a live number on the total. Um, yeah, I think we're going to have a good idea of how this game's going to go in the first three drives for Ohio. Yeah, I think Akron might be a play for me, honestly. Especially when you have a team that's lost this many times, haven't covered the spread, so they've been blown out so many times. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's going to be a good team that once they start getting blown out, they're going to get discouraged and, you know, give up. To me, like, Akron, they're just so – that's just another game for them. Right. They're just going to keep playing hard. I I mean, I don't know if – much about psychology but that seems to make sense to me <laughs> yeah i so, get behind that line, line of thought uh, another thing too i would just maybe maybe wait on it a little bit because match is becoming so much more popular with public betters and they love betting match and favorites and overs so i think we could potentially get this up to like maybe up to 28 where you can push on it or even pass that key number and have a really good 28 and a half right I mean, there hasn't yeah. been that many. It's been 630 bets recorded on it so far, and a lot of them, almost all of them, like 20 or 72 percent of the money is coming in Ohio. So it would make sense that we get a little bit more line movement as we get to game day tomorrow. Right. Yeah. It kind of. I still just am kind of hung up on the market rating mm-hmm. uh, with Miami of Ohio being minus 29 at home and Ohio being minus 27 and a half on the road. Um, just doesn't make much sense to me. So it kind of makes me think that the number will come down and that there will be, you know, people that are respected betters versus just public favorite betters might be on Akron, if you know what I mean. Yeah. God damn it. Fucking Virginia Tech just hit a three to go up by four with less than a minute left. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, I'm glad I forgot about that one because I definitely did not take that. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the other uh, matching in tomorrow is uh, Western Michigan – at Northern Illinois, Northern Illinois catching uh, seven and a half. It opened at seven, so we've seen a half point of movement. Um, the bet percentage and money percentage heavily on Western Michigan, so that 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 line movement is uh, is in line with what we've seen action wise. Um, biggest thing that stands out to me in this game is the fact that Western Michigan, if they win, they clinch the MAC West. If they lose, they leave the door open for Central Michigan. They have the head-to-head over them, so if they both win or both lose, they would. Uh, it would still be Western Michigan in. But I think the motivation here is big, big, big time on Western. Um, so something to consider there. Yep, I uh, 100% agree. I checked that prior to the to uh, hopping on here as well. And Northern Illinois, they're four and seven, so it's not like they're playing for a bowl game either, um, which makes it even more appealing to me to take Western Michigan. That being said, Western Michigan is one and four on the road. Um, So that's tough, but Northern Illinois is two and two at home. So it's not like they're just dominating at home. Um, So, yeah, I think, I think Western Michigan would be the play there. Yep. I agree. And then, you know, as we see some more like literature come out tomorrow, I obviously want to take a little more of a dive. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd have to be on the same side as that. Even laying, you know, that that extra half point there. Western Michigan's played really, or at least pretty well all season. Uh, like you say, they struggled on the road a little bit, but or actually a lot of it. Um, but there's like there's outright a better ball team than NIU. Um, seven and a half seems like a surmountable uh, number to get to. Yep, and I want to look at the advanced stuff too, just to see how they match up, like. 
I don't really understand why the number's only at seven and a half, to be honest with you. But yeah, I want to I want to get your uh, your thoughts on that tomorrow when we have a chance to look at the big at the you know the deep dive numbers because it's starting to seem like a little bit of fishy line. So I may be flipping over here to Northern Illinois real quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just with like the motivation level, I mean, the motivation difference for Western Michigan, I think that's where like the number would have been fishy with like if. Western Michigan would have already had the conference locked down and Northern Illinois was going for a bowl. That was kind of my assumption when I first saw the line, but mm-hmm. definitely not the case. Right, right, right. Um, pull up the, re- the games the rest of the week. Um, let's see here. Week 14. Um, yeah, so we actually – we don't have Wednesday or Thursday matching this week. We're, we're on Friday, so they usually get a pretty decent slate of early games, which – Damn, they have four 12 o'clock games on Friday afternoon. Um, side note, are you working that day? Yes, I am. All right. Are you? Yes, I am. Perfect. I'm glad to hear that. All right. Yep. So we have uh, Bowling Green going to Buffalo. Um, neither team has much to play or has anything to play for conference-wise. They're both in the East with Miami, Ohio, so that's locked up. Uh, Buffalo is 6-5, and five, though, so like we were talking about, Six and six is not build well for Mac teams typically. So a seven and five pretty much guarantees you a bowl spot. Um, so I'm going to lean motivation factor there. They're laying 28 and a half against a pretty bad Bowling Green team. But I feel like they've made a little bit of noise this year. I think they may have like came back against somebody and covered a spreader. I don't remember. I don't know my Bowling Green football too well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is going to be a stay away for me. I think there's going to be enough games going on on Friday. Plus, we got college basketball. I don't need to be throwing on Buffalo and hoping that they win by over 30 points. <laughs> exactly. If this does get below 28, I will probably take a much closer look because Buffalo's got a really good uh, – or not really good, but they have a pretty damn good running game, especially for a MAC team. Um, Bowling Green's got a pretty bad – running defense and i love my cold weather running teams this late in the season so i may have to take a look at that um i'm trying to see some games i mean like i said there's some ones there's four that day uh most of them don't mean too much central michigan toledo that only means something if western michigan loses to northern illinois on tuesday night so kind of a similar spot as uh as maybe if you know, Western Michigan does win, then maybe you go against Central Michigan because their season's done and they're already seven and four. So seven and five, they're probably going to be in a similar bowl they would have been anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I'm probably not gonna hit much of this action <laughs> um, come Friday. Yeah, it's true. Uh, we do a lot of games. We got Virginia, Virginia Tech playing at eleven on Friday or noon Eastern. Texas, Texas Tech playing at noon. Iowa, Nebraska at two thirty. Missouri, Arkansas, Cincy, Memphis. I mean, we've got games out there. We got TCU as a twelve and a half point favorite against West Virginia. Fuck them. I'm <laughs> betting West Virginia. That's for goddamn sure. <laughs> Jesus Christ. TCU as a twelve and a half point favorite. God, that's that's absurd. That's because they kind of because they played Oklahoma well, kind of. I guess. <laughs> Which why are we not continuing to just every time Oklahoma is a double digit favorite, we should be betting against them. Every yeah. single time because Jalen Hurts is just shooting them in the foot in the red zone <laughs> against Texas, against TCU, against Baylor, even though they had the big comeback, but he still had that fumble in the red zone. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy just – man, don't even get me started on – if you're letting TCU back in the game, you can get the fuck out of here. 
Yeah, I totally feel you. I think that's enough going on um, to to maybe avoid some of the the action. Yeah, exactly. And I know, so we are going to do an episode on Thursday morning, so we'll get more into this game. But one thing, one game you mentioned that I really want to watch is um, Virginia Tech at Virginia. Um, This is, that's going to be the play, it's the play in game for who's going to be giant dogs against Clemson. But the winner of that game, wins the ACC Coastal and goes to the ACC Championship. Hell yeah. That's, yeah, that is exciting. And another thing that's kind of fun, um, this one's a game on Saturday, and we'll for sure get into this one some more as well because I'm going to need some hedge advice from you. But the Gophers-Wisconsin game, you can already look at that as a playoff game. It is. It 100% is. Play in, you know, because the winner, whoever wins that, if they win, well, yeah, because Wisconsin only has – one loss, right, mm-hmm. on the season? No, yeah. so, Wisconsin's I mean, got two losses, Ohio State and, and – uh, Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that kind of sucks. But I guess more so for Minnesota because if they win, they beat Wisconsin and they beat Ohio State, I mean, there's a good chance that they're going to be in the college football playoffs. So the playoffs start this week, essentially, and that's you know kind of the fun way to look at it for those that want a larger playoff structure. But – you know, these games are just as important as any playoff game would be. Mm-hmm. I had that same conversation this weekend with a buddy of mine that, yeah, this is it, it is a playoff game. And the winner, the winner plays in two weeks, the loser does not, loser sitting at home. Uh, so it's cool. Exactly. I think it's just those two, at least for the Power Five. Um, there's a bunch of other games that, like, you know, a team needs to win, they need another team to lose, all this shit to happen. But, like, yeah, these are just straight up, like, winner goes on. Yeah, which is awesome. That's that's fun shit. Yeah, for sure. Looks like opening line there uh, is Wisconsin minus two and a half. Um, so hey, you know what? At least Minnesota's getting some love. Like if it were, you know, if this was like earlier in the season when Wisconsin was like five and zero, oh, um, this would probably be like super one sided. Like Wisconsin, like huge favorites, but like Minnesota's for real. I think we're starting to see that not only from the committee but also from Vegas. So that's got to feel a little bit better. Right. And we've also got college game day coming and the weather is going to be, this is going to be like straight up from the North, like college game days here going to be snowing the entire time. Um, there's like, we're so tomorrow night we're expected to get like five to eight inches Thursday night. We're expected to get, to get one to three Friday night into Saturday morning, like another one to three or something like that. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just going to be, like a classic Minnesota Wisconsin game, like from the 1960s, with the weather that we've got coming in. It's gonna be, <laughs> that, that's be awesome. Fun. That means you yeah. better have your run defense ready to play, because you know Jonathan Taylor is going to be getting that ball a lot. Yep. And the scariest thing for me is that we absolutely slaughtered, or Minnesota slaughtered Wisconsin last year. So you know that they're going to be chomping at the bit to to get back at us. For sure. For sure. Big, a good, a good revenge spot there. Unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> All right. Any other uh we don't have we don't have any weekday games. I was looking forward to like looking at some action stuff, but we have nothing. We have we have two games tomorrow, then everything else is on Friday. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm all I'm all set, dude. I'm geared up and ready to rock for college basketball, even though today's been bad, but we'll bounce back hopefully tonight actually. And after we hop off here, watch my action network because I'm gonna have some live plays rolling. All right, cool. I'll I'll stay up on that one. All right. Um <laughs> You got anything else? Nope. All set, man. All right, cool. We'll call it a day then, folks. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Best of luck this week if you're taking any plays. Um, 
Remember, Apple Podcasts, please go on there, subscribe, rate, review, all that noise. And uh, we will see you guys on Thursday, probably like early afternoon, late morning for a special Thanksgiving episode. Later, Tyler. Peace, dude.